We might saw that off for a little while this evening. Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So uh, let's not teach tonight per se. Let's muse. You ever, if you get in Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of musing going on. Let's just think. Let's just, every once in a while we need to get ourselves together and just ask questions that everybody should know, but maybe we hadn't thought about them. So we'll think about them. Sometimes if you, if you just teach about mechanics and how-tos and principles and everything, which, you know, that's good. But sometimes if it doesn't fit, you've got to have it where it fits into the biggest, bigger picture so that it'll maximize. So I'll ask the question, how do, we, how do we as people measure life? How do we measure life? I know one way is that uh, if somebody uh, departs and didn't live according to whatever measure we think is a long life, we measure them and say, oh, they went too soon or something like that, especially if they're very young, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 80s, anything. <laughs> Well, we measure life in time and years, but I wonder how the Lord measures life. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, because if it's in years, you remember the guys that, like Methuselah. He was old, he's what you call an old timer. He went nine hundred and what did he go? Nine hundred and thirty two, six long time anyway. And a lot of them did. And there was a purpose for that. And you know from the word in Genesis that God never intended us, any of us, to die. Die was not something that he brought. Death was not something he brought. The curse brought it, and it is the ultimate of the curse. And there's gradients of that that go back, but death is the ultimate curse. And, uh, but God never intended it for us to die. So that means that the integrity of our bodies was meant to go and go and just keep on going. But the curse wears on it and stuff like that. Uh, but the Lord's going to remedy that. He's coming back for us. And he's going to give us that body that we always would have had since we were born. If we'd have been gar born in the garden, we'd have got that body. And uh, he's coming back to give us a body. And uh, I, I think that's good, good news. Hallelujah. So how, how does God measure life if he doesn't measure it in, in months and years? If he doesn't have a thing that says, attaboy, you, you made it to 80 or you made it to 90. My dad's 91 and a half. And yeah, nobody thought that was going to happen based on taking care of yourself and all that sort of stuff. He's, uh, he, he wasn't one of those. He wasn't a health person. So let's speculate that the Lord measures our life not in how long, because like we said, there's some young wise men, there's some old fools. You ever run into those old fools? Oh, my word. Oh, my word. So really, uh, we could make a case, and we will, that God defines our life in fulfilled purpose. Did you do what I sent you to do? And a lot of people, you know, most people, I would say, don't even know that he has a purpose, much less what it is. And maybe we all saw through a glass darkly for a lot of years, but we ought to know what we're called to do. 
maybe not every part of it, but we're walking towards it. We, we get closer to it and it's better. Uh, it says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, it talks about eternity being inside of us. Eternity being inside of us. It says in verse 11 of the Lord, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Well, that's pretty vague. So I looked it up in the Amplified. <laughs> yeah. He, he Amplified, I, I trimmed it down a little bit. It's not the literal. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has plant, planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose. Did y'all hear that? He's planted that in our spirits, in our hearts and minds, and implanted a sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So imagine that he's got a plan, that he's not just populating the earth and sending spirits down to the bodies that men and women make. That's how it works. They, they form a body, bodies conceived. He sends a spirit down. That's, that's what he does. So we were all in heaven at one time, waiting on our time to be planted. And so he thinks in terms of eternity. In other words, he has a master plan. And he's working it. But like coming in in the middle of a movie, sometimes you don't know what's going on. You just sit down and try to figure out who the characters are. And that's the people behind you that tell you, shh. Be quiet because you're asking your partner, who's that and what they do and how come they're doing that? But that's the way the Lord did. He's got this master plan and we read about his master plan in the word. We see what's happened before us. And so we we're not coming in in, in in the middle of a movie if we read the word and we can see the flow. And then we fit in wherever we're born because we've been strategically planted. He fits us in. And, and so we don't ever feel out of place unless we don't know where we fit in, and then we do. So he's thinking in terms of eternity. This whole thing has been planned because Adam, who was supposed to be the father of us all and live forever, and us live forever on the earth, which tells you that the plan of the earth was always to hold everybody. It's not like the, the world says that there's not enough resources on the world to support the population. It's just not true, but it is messed up because the curse is there and that men have interfered. So we regard time. I used to work out of day timers, you know, so that every hour and every 30 minutes was registered. We threw that thing away. <laughs> uh, so we don't regard, we regard time except uh, that we know that time is temporary. We looked at it last week that uh, those things which are seen are temporal. Temporal is a time. It means it won't be here long. It's, a, it's an endurance measurement. How long will you be here? Well, I won't be here long. How long is it going to take? Well, it's going to take a long time. It's a measure of time. And we, we use it to, to coordinate our lives together and all be on the same time. 
But God doesn't think that way. And if we don't think like God, now, family, I know you know this, but let's just say it anyway. If we don't think like God, we cannot have good success. We have to think like he thinks. Well, I don't agree and I don't believe it and I don't I don't know why. Therefore, and it's like that'll just get you crossways because he's not changing because you have a because you so. So we all then to cooperate with God to max out our efficiency. Based on how the purpose of, of, of our life is how we coordinate and how we mesh with the plan that he sent. And you can see that right now. They're trying to make men, women, women, men, and, and all that garbage. I read yesterday that, uh, that everybody has a sex, but you have to discover your gender. It's just, it's just babble. It's just, it's just crazy talk, uh, that kind of thinking. He has a plan, and the plan's already been set in, and he didn't change it. The Lord said, I change not. So what, what he started out with is what he's going to finish with. So we, we cannot have success until we think like God. And that's why we come together and that's why we read the word. If the whole thing is to change my mind. I, my parents thought this way and my school thought this way uh, and it's not working. So if I get how God's thinking, it'll work. I'll cooperate. I'll submit. I'll come under. I'll agree with God and, and I'll have more success because he's not going to change. So the challenge to that then is our thinking always in our thinking our self-importance or our self-denigration where I'm a worm I'm nobody I'm, it doesn't matter I might as well go kill myself or something like people think or I'm so important that I, nobody can breathe without me marking cadence generally we are tasked and even in the church with thinking that we all have separate and, and unique uh, ways that we fit. And so we, we kind of try to complete a circle that we all have little circles to complete and you got to finish your circle. But as you read the word and, and you get how God's thinking, a lot of times it's like a four man relay. You know, there's they got a baton to make sure they connect. And you have the start out guy. He sets the pace for his team. Then you have the number two guy. He's got to get that baton. If he messes up, well, then number three and four has got to make it up or, or lose. Then number three grabs the baton. Then you have the anchor that he's got to, he's got to do it. And yet none of them are, are acclaimed to saying he won the race. It would be a four man or a relay and they would say they all completed their course and they all depended on one. They were interwoven with each other and they had to uh, cooperate with each other. And that if any one of them failed, that actually, even though he would run his course, number one and number two would do a bang up job. If number three slopped his dripper, so to speak, he, he, he didn't he, he dropped his baton then everybody's under. So uh, to finish strong, everybody has to cooperate with one another. And it's that way. That's why he puts us in the body of Christ. We're, all, we're in the corporate body, but we're also in individual families because, you know, we can't get along with Birmingham or Meridian to have meetings and stuff. So we have these 
particular bodies, these families. And so we even work in there. There's not six guys in the sound booth and we don't need seven women in the nursery. Everybody does a part and it causes the whole thing to say, we did the will of God today. And if someone bails, well, then we got a crying baby in here and we didn't record. We, you know, that's kind of how that works. In Ephesians, oh, did we? Yeah. Let me read. I didn't read this, did I? Yeah. 3.11 in the Amplified. I read it. I sure did. Well, let me read it again. <laughs> I liked it so much. Uh, he also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of purpose, a divinely planted sense of purpose, a divinely, he's planted in our hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages. So there's that broad circle, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So he knows where every player or every entity is, and he works in every individual, but the whole time he's working on a bigger plan. We, we're doing our job. Oh, I'm running my race. I'm finishing my course. And we are, but it fits with the bigger body. And if someone just bails and just gets discouraged and quits, the Lord has to ramp up. How many, how many men did God have to go through before he got to Abraham? Genesis uh, in verse nine, chapter 19, it says that he chose that he chose Abraham because he would command his household after him. That's the whole thing, because he had to get the Messiah in. He had to get somebody that wouldn't drop the, the ball. So who knows who who knows how many people he had to go through before he got to me to come to Alabama? Maybe nobody, maybe somebody. It doesn't matter. I, we got to each run our race. Look in Ephesians chapter one. I like that. I like that where it says a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. He is the master coordinator and he's got a purpose. This isn't even this whole thing isn't flying on its own. It's not, you know, what will be will be Ephesians chapter one. We all fit. And you can tell even in this local church, we all fit. Nobody could have coordinated that. We wouldn't have picked each other probably. But we did pick the whole of it. We said that I, it fits. I fit. I don't know them. They don't know me, but I, it fits. In chapter uh, one, let's look in verse eight. It says, uh, wherein he hath abounded toward us, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Huh. What is the mystery of his will? According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Isn't that amazing? Why? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. So here's that factor where eternity has been divided up. He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom, so we're all gathered up, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. So we're equipped, being predestined 
According to why? Why? What are we predestined to do? According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Uh, Corinthians, I think, chapter 12 says uh, he has put the members in the body severally as it has pleased him. Wow, that's big. The uh, Amplified. Now, this is just this is a little lengthy, but just let's we'll go slow because we're talking about seasons of opportunity. What we did last week. Amplified says he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding. Making known to us the mystery and secret of his will, of his plan, of his purpose. We get to know it. He's, he's revealed it. And it is this. In accordance with his good pleasure, which he hath previously purposed and set forth in him, he planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things. So they must have been scattered and head them up and consummate them in Christ, both things in heaven and things on the earth. So heaven's busy, isn't it? Heaven's helping us get, get it together. In him, we also were made, excuse me, in him we were, where am I here? In him, we also were made God's heritage and portion. Wow, sounds like we're important. And we obtained an inheritance. For we had been foreordained, chosen beforehand in accordance with his purpose. Chosen beforehand according to his purpose. So there's a, there's a, there's a, he's moving among us. The things aren't just happening. Who works out everything in agreement with the design of his will. So it sounds like Romans 8 where it says all things work together for good for those that are the called according to his, who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So if somebody would yield and just give it up, bless God, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to live where I want to. Had a man tell me one time, an older man, he said, God don't care where you live. He don't care what car you drive. He don't care what house you live in. Well, you can get by with a little less. This man didn't own a house, by the way. He was a renter. So anyway, I'm musing tonight about the purposes of God. And it puts great importance on each one of us because we fit. If you've ever seen those movies where uh, 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 we saw one one time where a savant put a puzzle together, a thousand pieces, upside down. And he was putting them in like they were numbered one, two, three, and they were in a... But then he got to the last piece and it was missing. And of course, he became very agitated and just couldn't, couldn't bear it. Finally, uh, uh, somebody in the room found it on the floor. And he, he, he couldn't, he was just out of his mind until he got that piece in. Well, that's, that's kind of how... But we're so used to not having all the pieces in as 
the church, not this church, but the church at large. We're so used to being just like the world that doesn't even know there be pieces to put in right side up, wrong side up, whatever. And we can have more. My point is, I guess I'm getting to it, is we can have more. There's more to it. Pastor Moss told me one time heaven is way more developed than we think. And God's plan is way more developed. Hallelujah. The church has got to be redefined. It's not a place. Y'all, we could meet with Joey and Pam this evening. We could all go to, we're going to Columbus. We're going to have church that Saturday. You go, well, that's not Sunday. Oh, we're having church. If we don't open a book or don't sing a hymn, we're going to have church because we're all together. And that's how it'll be. Uh, so a church isn't a place. A church isn't society. It's not for social things. Yea, if we can, and yea, we should. But that's not what we do. It's not for entertainment. If you watch churches and what they do, we have slowly slid into an entertainment mode that people that sort of believe together, in other words, I'm a Christian, they, they like to be entertained because we're all together. And music moves all of us. We're all moved by music. I mean, you don't... You could be in the crowd of Led Zeppelin or, or, uh, or Hart or any of those guys and not know Jesus at, at any distance. And you'd be feeling good when the band struck up and you got to sing. So it, you can't say it's our music that, that we, we like. All people like music. And it, it has a very powerful impact on all of us. Uh, we, we are not here to take care of of people that won't learn and just have them a place to go. Well, we, we're churchgoers. And I don't know if they've ever heard the word or not. That's not who we are. And that's my point. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, you're right there. Just, just look in verse 10. Let's look at the church. To the intent that now into the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means divers or various. It, <laughs> the principalities and powers in heavenly places, they are amazed at the wisdom that we hold. According to the eternal purpose, the eternal purpose, we have wisdom according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not an entertainment center. We are not your, your, you know, N1, B3, G4. We are not the bingo hall. Although we can play bingo all the time. If we want to. Wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But that's not who we are. If we did it, it wouldn't be who we are. So I'm not criticizing what people do, except they've come to say that's what we do because that's who we are. In Ephesians chapter 5, let's look in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Okay. Even as Christ also loved the, loved the church and gave himself for it. What did he give himself for? The church. Now, the value of anything is the cost it takes to purchase it. To trade for it. That's the value. If you can buy it for a dime, it's worth a dime. If it takes the blood of Jesus, then that's what it's worth. And that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word, 
and that he might present it, the church. Who are we? A glorious church. What does that mean? Not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Blemish. Uh, glorious church. No, no defects. A church of splendor. The word there is uh, splendor, marvelous, gorgeous. Who would have thought you'd got that out of a Bible dictionary? Gorgeous. We are something else, y'all. And we are whatever it costs to buy us out of the slave market of sin. And so if you've got value, it's because you can do something. You either have value just on your own or you're able to appropriate something that makes you value, uh, valuable. If, 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 you, if you're hiring at the restaurant and you got 12 people to show up and all of them are cooks, you can probably hire a pretty good cook that afternoon, a pretty cheap cook. But if just one of them's a cook, he's like NFL, first round draft pick, you know, or something. Well, we, we are the whole focus of heaven and the mission of the Lord Jesus was to buy us out and assign worth and value to who we are. We may feel like because we came in from the world and tripped into a room that has chairs and music and air conditioning that this is that, but it, this is not that. This is just what we do while we're being that. We are the glorious church. And that's how heaven sees us. And so would they ever be disappointed in heaven to see us messing around and doing worldly things and even mocking the things, the precious things of God, like healing and about prosperity and funding and about being de delivered from demons? That's who we are. We tolerate none of it. Praise God. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. Uh, go back to chapter four, where this is an Ephesians lesson, I guess. So what does the church do? One thing we do, besides hold the manifold wisdom of God, is we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It says in verse 11 and 12 of chapter four, uh, he gave some apostles, some prophets and some evangelists. Now, these, these offices have all been mocked by the church. They, in order to, to uh, raise people up, we had to pull some things down in the church. So some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? What, are he, what did he give? Anything the Lord Jesus gave is bound to be necessary. For the perfecting of the saints, per the, for the perfecting of the saints. There, boy, when heaven perfects you. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's, that's their whole job. There's no other job. There's no other job. So we talked about last week how life is lived in seasons. We understand spring and summer, fall and winter. We understand the adjustments we all make to the temperature because we don't live on the equator. So it's not hot all the time, pretty much, actually. Don't you just love the middle of April to the middle of June? No humidity. The pollen 
it's still there, but, but I mean, it's, it's not raining it down anyway. And, uh, and no mosquitoes yet. I mean, I just, this is my month right here. I'm sitting on the back porch just every chance I get because it's just so marvelous. But it's that season. We knew it was coming. When we first moved to Alabama, the Nelsons, Pastor Nelson said, uh, his wife uh, uh, Sylvia said, uh, told Debbie, said, honey, bottle it up because you're going to want it later. <laughs> and sure enough, July came and we'd never been in anything like July in Alabama. Oh, my word. Uh, so uh, change is the essence. We, uh, seasons make us change and there's a season in the kingdom. E eternity is timeless, but we have marked off times and seasons, seasons of opportunity, seasons where we we can take advantage. I wasn't asking anybody to sit on the porch with me in January. I promise you that was a no go. I was a no show in on the porch. But now I just can't hardly get enough of it. Well, that's the way it is in the kingdom. There's seasons. But traditionally, Christians just live as, as if we're all on Antarctica or at the equator. Just one season. And there's seasons. And the Lord is ebbing and flowing like the waves that come up on the beach. There's seasons where, where there's a time to do this. There's an opening. We looked at the uh, word uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes where it talked about time. A time to do this and a time to do that. Well, the word there is opportunity. And it has to do with somewhat the windows of heaven that we see in Malachi. But the word is there's an opportunity to be born and there's an opportunity to die. Well, there's an opportunity for other things. So it's talking about seasons. Otherwise, there wouldn't be opportunities or openings. It'd just be the same all the time. Well, today's another day. We'll do what we've always done and have what we've always had. There's seasons and opportunities. So our best life is when we're willing to change. Say it with me. I'm willing to change. Now, you go, well, can't I do something else? That's the optimum thing you can do. After you get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, your next assignment, what do I do next? Get willing to change because nothing that's here is going to be here tomorrow. Very little. There'll be a gradient that moves in and moves out over weeks, but uh, we have to be willing to change. And uh, some people don't age well. I mean, they, they, they don't age well. They just fight it. You know, I'm 39 years old and counting. They, that's what my mother said for 25 years or so. You know, she just wouldn't give it up. And my sister-in-law, she just, she, mother said, don't tell Bonnie the 50 word. Don't, don't, she gets, she gets all stirred up. The 50, I'm 50. I couldn't wait till I was 50. Because I'd been a whippersnapper, a wet behind the ears preacher that nobody believed. Why would we believe that? He's, he don't know nothing. Or he doesn't know anything. I'm upgrading my vocabulary. And uh, so, <laughs> not really. You're right. So 2023, the Lord told us this is the year that we know what to do. And there's no reason that I can figure that he would tell us this is the year we know what to do unless there was something that was coming that we need to know what to do. There's choices and opportunities and doors opening that could go two ways or something. And we need to know not just left or right or one or two, but whether to go in or not go in. 
whether to hesitate and wait or to move in right now. We need to know so we can be at the right place at the right time. And the Lord designed it that way. Otherwise, we'd be just a herd of, of sheep or whatever. We would all do the same thing at the same time and have the same results. But some people don't see the door opening, so they are able to access the kingdom because they see it and seize it. So it opened. Didn't you see that? Yeah, but I was afraid. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going. I'm going. I'm getting in this. And every one of you is the result. Your success is of doing that. So I said this last week. If the rate of change in the kingdom of God is faster than the rate of change in the church or in individuals. In other words, God's moving. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire are moving. But we didn't want to go on Tuesday. I get my... I get my hair done on Tuesdays. I'm not, I'm not moving on Tuesdays. And so by Thursday, though, the cloud's over the hill, and where do you go? And so they get lost. So uh, if, if the kingdom of God is moving faster than the church, which it always has, do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when Kenneth Copeland came out with prosperity thinking? And we lost our minds corporately, the body of Christ. I don't know if y'all remember it, but I do. It's like, what if that was true? What if that was true? Pastor Buzzy came out. We had him and he said, uh, uh, Jesus thinks he solved the sin problem. I said, what? What if that's true? In other words, it was in the kingdom. It was in the body. But but we as a church were having to, you know, road test stuff. And we jumped in. And we've always jumped in. I, I say we always have. We have often. I don't know of the times we've missed because you missed them. But there's a disconnect if the kingdom moves faster than the church or the people in the church. You get left behind and you lose your way. It's not like, I oh, will catch up in a few days. This thing's moving. There's a season. There's an eternity. The guy with the baton is coming around. And if you don't get up to speed and take it from him, he's going to have to stop and hand it to you. And you lost the race. So we all have that in our life where we should have, but we didn't because we were afraid. We were afraid. We were inexperienced. We didn't trust us or we didn't trust somebody that said, come on, we can do this. I've been here before and we can do that. So one little point here. I went and looked up all the suddenlies in the New Testament. The word suddenly. There's just a few of them. Two, four, six. Two, four, yeah, six. And I wanted to read them to you. Just take a second. Mark 9, 8 says, and suddenly... When they looked around about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. The word suddenly there is the word unexpectedly. So let me put that in there. And, and unexpectedly, when they looked around, this is, this is when Jesus was uh, being glorified. Yeah. And unexpectedly, when they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus with themselves. Mark 13, 36. Less coming, unexpectedly, he finds you sleeping. Oh, there's a warning there. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. And unexpectedly, the word is suddenly in the King James. 
Luke 2, 13 says, and unexpectedly, and suddenly, excuse me, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. That's the birth of the Lord Jesus. But it says unexpectedly. Acts 2, 2 says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting and they appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire and unexpectedly. Well, remember, there was 500 that saw Jesus, 500 people that were told to go to the upper room. But only 120, which is, you know, there's four kinds of ground and 120 out of 500 is one to four. Only a fourth of all people are good ground. They can be better ground, but you you got to have something in it that says I got to be planted at the right season or I'm going to I'm going to burn or I'm going to freeze. Acts uh, 9 3 says as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. You all know who this is. And suddenly there shined right about him a light from heaven and unexpectedly there shined a light. And lastly is Acts 16 26. It's the same story, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. No, it's not the same story. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, unexpectedly. So if we know what to do, we won't be taken unexpectedly. Now I want to tell you all, I watched Joe Morris this afternoon. Wow. I mean, just wow. He's, all, he's always wow. He's already wow and always wow. But I wrote down here, and I'm not looking at anybody because I don't know anything, so it's, it's good to say this. Who makes long-term plans anymore? I talk to people, and they're like, I, I, could, I could get a 30-year mortgage, and I'll have this thing paid off in eight years, and I'll have, you know, and they're, they're talking long-term. I mean, people I know. People that I go with, I run with, they're making long-term plans. And I'll always just say something smart, you know, unless Jesus comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, well, it's, he's going to come unexpectedly to you. It's going to be, I, I should have been in the field working for the kingdom. I should have been putting my money in the ground. I should have been putting my gifts into the kingdom. But I thought it was going to be someday, some way. And that's my, that's my message tonight, is that there's a season, and we know what season it is. Not just on the 3rd of May or 5th of May, we'll do this or that. We know the season, we know the transition. I mean, I could tell you when the weather is good in Tuscaloosa. It's the 15th of April to the 15th of June. Y'all just look at your calendar and just see if it doesn't, if, if that's the 60 days you get, in my opinion, until the fall. Now fall's good too. And there's seasons in the kingdom. So here's what Joe said today. We are literally at the setup of the coming of the Lord. He talked about the Sudan today, that the Sudan hacked the Israeli Iron Dome. And that had never been done. And they're used to 90 to 95% success rate of shooting down anything incoming. 
and they only got four out of 36 when their Iron Dome went down. And they said, this is serious. And he said, just watch. Israel is fixing to take Sudan off the world. But the point is, the point is, he said Sudan's mentioned it's it's an it's a it's a it's a player in the end times. He quoted it. I don't remember. And he said he Sudan has never been mentioned before today. That they did something that was in timeish. You know, they plant rice, they plant plant whatever they do. But today they got found out for hacking. You go, wow. It seems close. I mean, do what you want, of course. Everybody's doing what they're on. But uh, he said, we are literally at the setup of the coming of the Lord. Joe was pretty blown away today. He said, I did not expect the Sudan to come up like that. I mean, who would have thought Sudan was a bunch of computer hackers? I mean, I mean, no offense, Sudan, but I just mean we didn't we didn't expect you were doing it. So I wrote this down. I'm going to finish with this. Be available for change. He's coming for his church. And then hold your life as precious. You are the uncommon man and the extraordinary woman, the exceptional woman. You got to hold yourself. Bless God. I'm in this world, but this is not me. Hold your life as precious and make yourself available to opportunity. I believe, could I prophesy without saying, thus saith the Lord? I believe I will. I believe there's great transition coming in the days just ahead. I think, I believe that there, I felt it all spring. And then then when the Lord gave us, you'll know what to do in 23 I knew right then, this is it. Last year, we got nothing. We just like, we're just marking our calendar off like they do in jail. Just, you know, just taking it off on, on castaway. But this, this year is something's going on. And it's good. It's all good. This is good, good, good. But if you get exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think, you got to know we hadn't, we hadn't walked in that room yet. I'm blessed. Y'all blessed? We're just blessed. We're we're not talking about not being blessed. And and we are. But there's a showing out that's coming that hadn't got here yet. And I'm sure it's coming before he does. And he says, I'm on my way. I got giddy up under me and I'm a marching back. And I believe that we're, we're... So Debbie always said, hold things loosely. That was one thing she was known for. Hold on to life tight, but hold things in life loosely. Don't get attached to stuff. Don't get attached to positions, titles, all that sort of stuff. And hold stuff loosely. I'm available to change. I am available to change. And Jesus is so good, he will not disappoint us. He said, you will never be ashamed. So our faith is not in vain. We'll never be ashamed. 
We test things, we, we write it out, we make sure that it's not just off the cuff and out of the head. It's not just emotion and excitement. Test things, listen for other things. It took me a year to get out of Texas to Alabama because I had to test it. Because once you give up your church, there's no jerky back. There's no coming back and saying, I changed my mind, it didn't work out, you're done. And so I had to, you know, and of course all my family. Well, that's an old story, everybody's heard that. You've done things just like that. But it, we're not ashamed. Hallelujah. So let's just pray for just a second. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for stirring us up and reminding us of the time and the season we're in. Just because the world is clueless and most of the church doesn't know anything about what's going on right now, they are living as if it will always be. We believe these are times where you are expediting the kingdom. Time is being compressed. Things are happening. Uh, Lord, I believe we're going to be translated in these last days as we put our hand to the plow. So I ask you, Lord, to speak to every single person here tonight and in broadcast. Confirm the season that, the, that we are each in and let us know what to do in that season. We are attentive, Lord. We are looking for you to speak. So we will be at the right place at the right time doing the right stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you all for being such a blessing.